Hello, friends, and welcome to Men Do Disney, episode 69, Mistakes Were Made. My name is Pete, and joining me tonight are Matt. What's up, everybody? And Tom. Hey, how are you doing? We're three guys who want to help you make the most of your Disney World vacation, as well as to bring some of that Disney magic into your life every day. So put on your favorite pair of Mickey ears, lower your safety harness, remain seated until the ride has come to a complete stop, and then, let's do Disney. So we're back at full strength again. Yeah, I'm happy to be back. I listened to the podcast. It was great. Y'all had a great time. Pete, I see I see that Disney cup. You like that? That vintage McDonald's Disney cup. I, 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 respect, the, I respect the game over there. So tonight's episode, Mistakes Were Made. We're going to talk about what we feel some of the biggest mistakes that Disney's made over the years. I'm just going to go ahead and get it out of the way right now. Closing the Great Movie Ride is definitely one of them. Before we get into that... Tom, a lot of news. We skipped it last week, so I'm sure we've got a ton to catch up uh, for the last three weeks, really. We do, and, and and I know it's Matt's favorite part is the news, so I'm glad we saved it for this episode when he's back. So we're going to start in Epcot. New Illuminations dining package is available for the farewell tour or the farewell year uh, that, that's going on right now at Disney World. Now, obviously, there are plenty of new attractions coming to Walt Disney World, but one will be closing this year, and that's Illuminations, and we've hit that on the podcast in the past. With them moving Illuminations out, they decided to add a dining package in, Disney capitalizing on people wanting to see the show. Uh, it actually began last week, January 18th of 2019. It was 80, It's $85 for adults, that includes tax and gratuity, and $35 for children, ages 3 to 9. Uh, guests will enjoy a three-course uh, menu that is pre-fixed, and uh, it'll be at the Rose and Crown with a view of Illuminations from the patio seating next to the lagoon. You know, that's a good place to watch the, the fireworks. That's going to be good food. I don't know if $85 is actually that unreasonable for, for a three-course meal. Pete, what did you pay it? If you remember, what was your food cost to be our guest? It was $55 a person for adults, and I think it's 35 per person for children to be our guest now. So is, is $30 extra dollars per adult worth having a front row seat to Illuminations? I don't know. Maybe. But that's what they're charging, and I'm sure they're going to do well with it because Illuminations is on its way out, and Disney lovers like us, would be would be there to watch it. Staying at Epcot, Guardians of the Galaxy Awesome Mix Live returns to Epcot this summer. We hit this when it was first in the parks, and it was a massive hit. They did move on to it, you know, they had the candlelight processional and other things that took place uh, in this stage, but it will be returning to the World Showcase this summer from June 14th to August 18th. I hope to be down in Disney at some point in that span to, to see this in person. I have watched on YouTube, and it, uh, it it does seem pretty fun. It's a seven-piece alien band, and it plays you know songs that you would know from Volume 1 and 2 of Guardians of the Galaxy, which is a fantastic playlist. Staying at Epcot for the ne- next piece of news here. New details revealed for the Epcot International Flower and Garden Festival. Disney released a few addition additional details for this year's edition of the Epcot International Flower and Garden Festival. It'll kick off the 26th of March. It'll, it'll kick off its 26th year, rather, in March. It'll be March 6th, I believe, is the first day. Uh, first up, a new Bo Peep and her sheep topiary for Toy Story 4 will greet guests at the festival's new family play zone. Feature gardens will focus on butterflies, bamboo, and Shakespeare's metaphoric plants, while more than 70 Disney-themed topiaries from Snow White to Daisy Duck will be featured throughout Epcot. Not my favorite festival. Food and wine takes the cake for me, but not a not a bad consolation prize to go through Epcot. Moving over, taking the monorail, I guess, over to Magic Kingdom. We, we could have hit this last week. Peter Pan is, is closed for refurbishment. It happened earlier in January, and it will be closed until the beginning of February. It's a 
a small refurbishment taking place. It's regular maintenance to be performed throughout the attraction. No big changes to the ride experience are expected. It, they'll just clean it up a little bit. Staying in Magic Kingdom, Mickey and Minnie's surprise celebration kicks off at Magic Kingdom. Uh, two weekends ago, uh, the start of Mickey and Minnie's surprise celebrations uh, began. It's a new entertainment, merchandise, and specialty food and beverages that have arrived in the park. Uh, Mickey and Mouse will greet guests together inside a Town Square theater, and they will be sporting their all-new colorful outfits for their special celebration. Uh, they kind of reimagined the Move It, Shake It parade that you've seen. It's Move It, Shake It, Mouse Dance It Street Party, uh, and it has new music and new outfits for the characters. In general, this is not one of my more favorite parades, but uh, some people enjoy it, and if you've never been to Disney World, this is the parade you, you'd have to uh, have to see. Uh, surprise characters will meet guests at the flagpole on Main Street USA. Characters will include, but are not limited to, uh, Remy from Ratatouille, Robin Hood, Friar Tuck, and others. So if you're interested in character meet and greets, flagpole at Main Street USA would be a good spot to start. Uh, moving over to Hollywood Studios, uh, Star Wars theming has been removed from the Backlot Express menu item list. Uh, we're, we're just months away now from the opening of Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, which is crazy to think. And it looks like Disney's starting to pull back some of the Star Wars theming in other areas of the park. And they've started with the Backlot Express restaurant. It'll no longer have the Star Wars theme menu items. Yeah, I think you're going to continue to see this around Disney as they build anticipation for Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. Staying in Hollywood Studios, it looks like an incredible celebration comes to Disney's Hollywood Studios. This past weekend, Disney's Hollywood Studios reopened the former Pixar Place area of the park, which has now been magically transformed into a Municiburg city. Uh, it's straight out of the world of The Incredibles. During the special event, guests will be able to join in a special dance party with Mr. Incredible, Miss Incredible, and Frozone. You can meet other characters from the movie as well, and you will search for Jack-Jack as a part of a scavenger hunt. There will be special food, beverage, and merchandise available, and you can learn more about The Incredible Celebration here. Uh, Lightning McQueen's Racing Academy to open March 31st of 2019 in Hollywood Studios. It was confirmed last week that Lightning McQueen's Racing Academy will officially debut in the Sun Sh uh, Sunset Showcase Theater, uh, which is located adjacent to Rock and Roller Coaster, starring Aerosmith. And that will open on March 31st, 2019. The attraction will immerse guests in the world of cars and bring them face to face with racing legend Lightning McQueen. They had a Lightning McQueen meet and greet at one point, so. I would assume this is kind of replacing that, but you will take on the role of a rookie racer and you'll get to cruise into the theater and find yourself face-to-face -face with the character who will appear live on stage in animatronic form while giant wraparound screens that are nearly two stories tall and stretch more than 200 feet from end to end will pull guests into the action. Uh, moving to Animal Kingdom, we have some... Oh, wow. We have news in all four parks. That's fun. Uh, there was a new giraffe born at Kilimanjaro Safari. Uh, the giraffe calf was born on January 14th, 2019, actually on the savannah, in the savannah of Kilimanjaro Safari, uh, which is awesome to me. The mother giraffe went into labor on the savannah, and both mother and calf are currently backstage at the park under the supervision of Disney's Animal Kingdom Animal Care Team. Uh, so this just shows you that Disney takes this stuff seriously. They try to let it be as natural as possible and not interfere in that part of, uh, of life, and now they are monitoring them closely. Also, staying in Animal Kingdom, there's a new Lion King segment to be added to the Tree of Life Awakening show. Uh, if you're not familiar, there is a show that is displayed. It's a projection show that is on the Tree of Life each evening. It's not a scheduled show. It just kind of does, it, does its own thing, and you can stop and watch for a little bit. But Disney's Animal Kingdom will celebrate the 25th anniversary of the Lion King with a limited-time new addition to the Tree of Life Awakening show. That'll begin on Memorial Day weekend and run nightly through September 30th, I believe. 
So this will be one that if I were, if I were going to Disney in that span, I would actually sit and wait to see it because it is limited time. And Lion King is, is such a Disney classic. So I would definitely stay to watch this. Moving to Disney Springs, there is an opening date set for the Grapefruit Garage. And now we're at the point where it's just a few weeks away. Uh, they're going to open another garage at Disney Springs, which now takes them to three. It was a $58 million project, and it will support parking for an additional 3,000 vehicles. And then Orange County Sheriff's Department will set up a permanent office at Disney Springs. Uh, so this will actually be the first time they have a permanent office. They always have had a strong presence there, but they'll now have a permanent office on property at Disney Springs, which will continue to enhance their response time and presence on, on the Walt Disney World property. Moving to some general news. Uh, DVC members, again, we are not Disney Vacation Club members, but we definitely have listeners who are. So DVC members can now book special Epcot Festival of the Arts dessert party uh, tickets at uh, Disney on Broadway dessert party at the Epcot International Festival of the Arts, uh, February 25th. Event attendees will enjoy guaranteed seating at one of the evening's Disney on Broadway concerts and an 8.30 to 9.30 p.m. fireworks dessert party before getting the chance to meet Disney on Broadway stars during a cocktail hour from 9.30 to 10.30 p.m. in the DVC member lounge. It is $77 for adults and $52 for children. Uh, DVC members will need to call member services beginning last week, really, for details and reservations. So I, I hope the DVC members that are listeners ha- have known about this because we are a tad bit late on sharing this news. One of the general piece or resort pieces of news that shocks me, Sebastian's Bistro is no longer serving lunch. Uh, again, this is a restaurant at Disney's Caribbean Beach Resort. I had heard rave reviews about this place, so I'm kind of surprised that it's backed off of, of serving lunch. Hopefully hopefully the restaurant's still doing well because I, initially, right off the gate, I had heard positive reviews. And then my last piece of news, tickets for Mickey's Not-So-Scary Halloween Party are on sale now. Pete, I need your I need your reaction for this. Well, not only are they on sale, did you see how early they're uh, they're starting this year? August 20th. Yeah, how crazy is that? I mean, we're going to have August, September, and October. That's three months of Halloween. And actually, you're going to have November as well, November 1st. That's, that's right. I forgot about that. They're, they threw an extra one in there. So I'll, I'll, give, you, I'll give you just a general overview. Uh, August has two, day, two dates. You can go the 20th and 27th. September has quite a few, as you can imagine. I don't want to count them out. Uh, ticket prices start increasing the closer you get to Halloween, of course. And Halloween night is $135 for adults. The highest it's ever been. Yeah, November 1st is 115. So I mean, just wait one day and you, you get a 20 a family of 4, that's 80 bucks in your pocket right there. I just can't imagine going in August or September and then having to explain to your kids like it's not really Halloween. So guys, we're we're planning to go for a marathon weekend uh late in October. And I my wife and I were talking last night about getting tickets for November 1st. We think that they probably put a November 1st date in there because of the leftover people from the race that they'll want to go because all the races will be done by November 1st. So it's something to monitor. I'm sure, I don't care what the price is. Halloween night will sell out of it if it has not already. The starting price to give you to give you an idea is $79 per adult, which is up $4 from last year's lowest price. And then as we mentioned, 135 is the, the most expensive price, which is Halloween night. You can go the 29th, and you can go November 1st, so right around Halloween for 115. Uh, so if you if you can stand not going on Halloween night, you can save 20 bucks per ticket. That's it for the news, actually. Got through that. A lot of news. We got through it as quickly as we could. Yeah, a lot of news. Again, three weeks worth of news. The week we missed last weekend, this week. So hopefully next week won't be quite as long. Well, with that, let's pause for just a minute to hear from our sponsors. 
Destinations with Character Travel Agency is your one-stop shop for Disney vacations, cruises, and more. With clients ranging from the magic makers of Hollywood to the business executives of New York to families from all over the U.S., people trust the travel consultants of Destinations with Character to make their magical dreams a reality with the patience, care, and attention to detail they deserve. With over 50 years of experience in Disney and worldwide travel, are over 30 travel consultants trained to give the best prices and service possible. Destinations with Character has the tools to make the difference for you. Find out how to take the stress and hassle out of your vacation. Simply contact them to let the magic begin. Destinations with Character Travel, making dream vacations come true every single day. Visit their website at www.destinationswithcharacter.com or email them at info at destinationswithcharacter.com and be sure to tell them that the Mendu WDW podcast sent you. So your family is coming to Orlando and the thought of lugging your stroller onto the plane isn't your idea of fun. But you're smart enough to know that conquering the theme parks of Orlando without a stroller for your kids could be a vacation killer. As parents ourselves, we get it. You're not asking for much. You just want the convenience of a clean, affordable stroller or crib delivered to your hotel or vacation home, ready to use. Welcome to Kingdom Strollers, a Disney-featured stroller and crib provider that does exactly what you're looking for at a great price. To book your stroller or crib, just click on the item you'd like to reserve and select the dates for your rental. We run a tight ship, so we will never overbook. Next, tell us where you're staying and choose the times for delivery and pickup. Then, choose from helpful free accessories like cooler bags and rain covers. It couldn't be easier. If you have any questions or concerns, you can check our FAQ page or just give us a call. We are always ready to answer your questions. Once you've placed your reservation, there's nothing left to do except count down the days until you're in sunny Florida. So what are you waiting for? Go ahead and book your stroller or crib from Kingdom Strollers today. Alright, so let's go ahead and get started with our topic for tonight, Mistakes Were Made. And again, we're just going to kind of run through these. I kind of put mine in order. I don't know if you guys put yours in order. We've each got about five decisions and or things that Disney has done over the years that we feel like kind of were mistakes. These can be anything from getting rid of a ride to allowing things in the park, whatever. We left it really, really open. So let's just kind of go around around the table here and we'll each talk about it. Let's not try to, let's try not to spend too much time on these because we do have 15 to get through. But uh, Matt, do you want to, you want to go with your first one? Yes, I'll start out. And before I say anything, I'll just say, look, we love 99% of Walt Disney World. We love everything there is to do at Walt Disney World, but there's some things that we feel like were a mistake by Disney. And the first one I'm going to talk about is the ill-fated journey into your imagination. Figment was the actual mascot of Epcot. And so there was a journey into imagination traction that opened in 1983. In 1998, for some reason, they decided to change it all up. Um, we, we think that there's some rumors that Kodak, who was a sponsor, wanted a more modern attraction in the nineties. And if you guys can remember the nineties, they were, they were fun, interesting times. And you want a little bit more spunk in a ride, a little bit less, for lack of a better word, kids attraction. They just completely mess this entire ride up. They started calling it journey into your imagination and it just, no one liked it. And it was so bad that Michael Eisner virtually immediately closed the ride and said, hey, we're going to fix this. We're going to do something different. And so after that, you now have like the current attraction, which is kind of a mix between the first Journey into Imagination and then Journey into Your Imagination that opened in 1998. And what do you guys think about this? I know that it seemed like when I was a child, all the time, Figment's Imagination was, you know, not a ride you could get on. So while I while I totally agree that 
they've messed up Figment Journey to your imagination. When I when I come around to the end of the World Showcase, there's only one attraction I want to ride, and it's Figment. I I have no idea why. I think I think it's hilarious and hilariously bad. Yeah, it's not something that I ever skip, but it's but it's not a great ride at all. No, it's a, it's actually a bad it's a bad attraction. I mean, I think we can. I don't know that I don't know that I'd call it bad. It's it's not bad. It's not good. It just is, right? I mean, it just it exists. It exists, but I remember it was a very big deal when it was closed, and it was a very big deal when you know it came back in '98, and everyone was just upset. And I was I was too young to understand why everyone was upset, but I remember riding and being like, "This isn't very good." And even now, I still feel like it's not very good. When you watch the videos on YouTube of the original, I can understand why it was so popular. I don't know how to fix this, but as I mean, I mean, I I agree that it, it was a mistake. I, I think I, that's the best way I can sum it up. It was definitely a mistake that. I don't know how to fix. So I'm going to go, uh, go a little bit different direction. You know, it, it's kind of a symptom. The journey into your imagination fiasco is kind of a symptom of these times. But Disney grossly underinvested in their parks. And, and a lot of it happened when Michael Eisner was the CEO of Disney. But just, just no investment in the parks. And this did a couple of things. First off, Disney got no new attractions for a long time. You know, they sunk a lot of money into the overseas parks. They sunk a lot of money into... Animal Kingdom, but there were really no new attractions, and the new attractions that there were 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 kind of boring. So what this did was it allowed Universal to come in and just gain huge amounts of market share in in the theme park area. So now Disney's kind of playing catch up at this point, and and we're seeing the effects of it today. So they're dumping all these money, all this money into the parks now on all these new attractions. There's construction everywhere. Ticket prices are going up at an exponential rate. But this is a direct symptom of, of their failure to invest previously, you know, in, in the in the 90s. And I agree with that. And we get this question a lot, actually. It's, would you rather go to Universal for a couple of days or Disney for a couple of days? How do you mix and match your Orlando vacation? And Disney dropped the ball here in the 90s because nothing happened. Nothing changed. And then, you know, you go into the 2000s, you have Harry Potter and you have everything that's happened at Universal since then. And even my wife right now just says, Matt, if we go to Orlando, we have to go to Harry Potter World. And I don't think that would have been the case with just your average Orlando park goer 15 years ago if Disney hadn't dropped the ball. No, I'm with you. I think Disney got complacent at some point. And I think they focus their energy and finances elsewhere. And I don't want this episode to, to think that we're ripping Disney at all because, like Matt said, we we ninety nine point nine percent of things we love. Disney's fixing it right now. I mean, they've heavily invested in their parks. You know, in the last two years, Toy Story Land's ridiculous. Pete has now been to both Toy Story Land and Pandora, as as have I. And you see the investment. Galaxy's Edge is going to be ridiculous. So while I do think they did underinvest at some point, they are trying to correct that. I agree, but I think in the short term, it's it's causing the quality of their theme parks to decline. You know, we we both saw it when we were just there, just in the quality of the bathrooms. I mean, the bathrooms weren't clean. The theme parks weren't clean, and it's because they're investing hugely in these in these new rides, these new lands, and they can't afford to pay people anymore. No, no, you're you're right. No, you're absolutely right. All right, Tom, what do you have? I I think I'm going more on like the let's knock Disney in the way way past and e-ticket attraction night. I grow growing up as a young child, this was like the coolest thing ever. And at the time, I had no idea how much it cost. I had no idea what it entailed. I just knew the park was empty and I got to ride rides. So e-ticket to to educate you, if if you're not familiar with it, e-ticket attraction night was when uh, Disney would offer an opportunity for folks staying on Disney property to purchase an e-ticket wristband and you could stay in the park three hours after close and ride what they considered e-ticket attractions. So let's use Magic Kingdom as an example. 
you know, your Jungle Cruise, your Space Mountain, Splash Mountain, Big Thunder, and others, Pirates of the Caribbean would all be open. Rumor has it they limited this event to 5,000 people. And once they sold out, they sold out. Now, I would imagine a slow day at Magic Kingdom is 20,000 people. That's a slow day. So imagine 5,000, you're, you're running around by yourself. But the best part about it, and I looked it up today, $12.72 for per adult and ten sixty for children ages 3 to 9. You absolutely, and I understand inflation, and I understand the prices would be different today, but 5,000 people, I mean, there's got to, there's got to be at least, at least 10,000 at any, uh, you know, upcharge event at night, at least. This was one of the coolest things that Disney offered. It was, I mean, obviously it was well worth it. If you told me tomorrow, hey, you can go to Disney tomorrow night, 5,000 people in the park for a hundred bucks, I'd probably pay it. But this is something that I wish they never went away with. I mean, you can still. They still have these, you know, Magic Kingdom after hours, Hollywood Studios after hours. And from what I've seen, there are no more than 5,000 people in Hollywood Studios after hours. Yeah, and I know they offer something similar these days, but I mean, any anyone can walk off the street and buy an upcharge event at night. You know, Pete and I have joked about when we're working in Florida, hey, we should drive over and get a, a Magic Kingdom after hours ticket. This one literally, I mean, it's when it's sold out, it's sold out. That was one of the first stops you had to make. Yeah, it was done. I remember, I can remember my parents like going like very early in the parks to say, "Hey, we got to go buy this, and we got to go yep. buy it now." And you know, like one parent would go purchase it, and then maybe we even have to go to like Main Street USA and go to like the ticket place and get our stamp. But I remember being like watching everyone leave the park and us still staying. It was a pretty cool, pretty cool feeling knowing that you were like. What do I do next? I do Splash Mountain, Space Mountain. Like, how fast can I run yeah, between attractions? Yeah, totally, totally. So, on that note, I'm going to talk about one of the things that I think Disney has has messed up, and it kind of goes hand in hand with Tom. Like talking about, you used to be able to do some of these things for twelve dollars a person as an adult, but upcharge events. You know, I feel like it's getting out of hand, guys. In my experience, like I remember the very first one that wasn't an e-ticket or wasn't like late night in the parks was the Fantasmic Dinner Package. And I believe that's starting in about 1998, actually. What you would do is you go to one of the higher-end restaurants in Disney Hollywood Studios, and you go eat there, and usually you ate around 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock, and you got premier seating at Disney's Fantasmic. And premier seating was pretty awesome. But that would, that started out, like I don't remember what the price was, but since then it seems like you know you have Mickey's Not So Scary, you have Mickey's Christmas Party. I mean, how many upcharge events have we talked about in this podcast, Tom? Like in the last year, like six, seven, eight. Now, yeah, I mean, they still now they still have the Fantasmic dinner package. But if are you saying that just upcharge events in general have gotten outrageous? Upcharge events in general, yeah, it's just it's something that's making the the average partner spend more and more money, and they're advertising these things more and more where you want to be there, but it literally could quadruple your quadruple your spend on a park in one day just to spend an extra three hours or an extra hour and a half doing one thing in the park. And I just think that like, this isn't going to end. It's only going to get more and more expensive. You talk about galaxy's edge coming and the interactive personalized adventure you're going to have in the park. I mean, I feel like it's only going to get more expensive and it's like, maybe it's a nostalgia factor for me, but I just wonder like, you know, what's next, what's going to be the next thing. You know, I'll say two things here. One, they used to have two Fantasmic shows per night, almost every night, which the dining package, you typically will pay for your dinner. You go to the restaurant and you pay for the Fantasmic package and then you get preferred seating. They don't have two Fantasmic shows a night anymore. And that makes it more difficult because obviously there's 
one show, higher demand. So, you know, some nights they have two still in peak seasons, but typically it's not like it was in the heyday of Fantasmic. And so I agree with you there that I wish they had the, the late night Fantasmic dining package available more often. But I think you're spot on with upcharge events just continuing to escalate because Pete and I texted literally today or last night rather about them eventually charging for fast passes, which I know Pete can expound on that topic for days. Yeah. I mean, it's already, it's already happening at, uh, at Disneyland. They, they've got fast pass max pass and, and that is charging for fast passes. I mean, you can still get paper fast passes at Disneyland, but if you want to do it from your phone, you know, if you want to have the same experience at Disneyland that you would at Disney world, you've got to pay for it. And, you know, they just push through a pretty substantial price increase for that. I guarantee you that's a trial run for charging for fast passes at Disney World. I mean, it's it's going to happen. 100% it's going to happen. And it just keeps going into, like, I just love for whatever has happened in Disney World that week to be covered in my Disney World vacation if I'm staying on property. And that's that's never going to happen again. It's never going to become close. But it's a moneymaker. I get it. 100% get it. Like if people will buy it, why would you not do it? Exactly, and 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 they're gonna continue to have more and more as we go along. So you know, this has kind of been a Disney World tradition since the beginning. I mean, they've been having Christmas parties at Disney World for forever now, and now it's what what else can we charge for? So my next major Disney mistake, and I feel this hit me really hard on on this last trip. Disney is completely ignoring sight lines at their park now. You used to be able to ride in to Magic Kingdom, to Epcot on the monorail, and you would see exactly what Disney wanted you to see. Now, you go into Epcot, all you can see is the Guardians of the Galaxy show building. You ride the buses in to any of the parks, and all you see is construction everywhere. I know this is going to end, but Disney's making no effort to hide the Guardians of the Galaxy show building. Disney's making no effort to hide construction of Star Wars Galaxy's Edge from, from any of the rides. I know they're limited in what they can do, but, you know, I think back to when they built Tower of Terror and they made sure that it was painted to blend in with the scenery in Morocco because that's where you could see it from a world showcase. We're a long way from that. And I, and it's it's just going to get worse as show buildings get bigger, as rides get more detailed. And as they start expanding these parks more and more, it's going to be more difficult for them to hide these things. But it really does kill the uh, kill the mood and kill the atmosphere at the parks for me. You know, Pete, I think we, you and I discussed this quite a bit walking around the World Showcase. We've discussed it since riding Slinky Dog. Uh, even on our last podcast, we hit it. But it's unbelievable when you stand, as you're walking over to the Mexican Mexico Pavilion, and you look diagonal, and you can barely tell Tower of Terror is behind Morocco. And you get to Morocco, and you look back towards you know Spaceship Earth and the Mexico Pavilion, and there's this gaudy Guardians of the Galaxy show building. That is not even trying to hide. That's literally all you and see. I'm going to give Disney credit. I did not notice the Ratatouille building. If you did, then then we didn't talk about it. Maybe at the end they're going to fix this. But right now, it, there's all it's all you can see in Epcot. I mean, it doesn't matter which in, which way you come in. And then on Slinky Dog, if you if you decide to lock into the attraction, you will not notice Galaxy's Edge. You'll get a quick glimpse, and then you start going the other direction. If you turn your head, you'll see. Everything that's going on, uh, much more than you would see from the street view. That, that and Disney does that on purpose, of course. As I talked about on the last podcast, I don't know how they I don't know how they hide Guardians of the Galaxy from Slinky Dog. I don't know how you fix that, especially as close as we are to it opening. But Epcot is definitely. I mean, it, it's it's killing the sight lines as you stand in Japan and look back across the World Showcase, or you stand in Morocco. But even Animal Kingdom, you know, you look at Animal Kingdom and you look at the Avatar. 
show building for for both those rides. I mean, it's ridiculous. Yeah, but I don't know. So 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 Pandora did not bother me nearly as much as Guardians did from a sightline standpoint. All right, what you got next? So so next, and this is one that I think Matt also had on his list after reviewing removing nighttime parades from Disney World, specifically removing them from Magic Kingdom. I think it's a horrible mistake to not have a nighttime parade there. I understand there's a projection show, fireworks, a lot going on, but there's nothing. We've talked about it. I mean, it, it's it's Disney magic at its finest when you're a child seeing your first nighttime parade. I mean, everything is more real, more magical, and it's Disney. And so I, I'll share this one and knowing that it probably goes into Matt's next one. Matt, can, can you share anything you have on, on the nighttime parades? Yeah, and you know, like, for me growing up, the parades were a big deal. I mean, where is Spectre Magic? Where is Main Street Electrical Parade? Where is anything that just kind of proceeds down the park at night with lights? Obviously, it's a parade. But I love the projection and the fireworks and everything that's around Cinderella's Castle at night, but why can't they do both? That's my big thing. Why can't they do both? I think it's expensive. And and, and honestly, I think that's the only reason for it. You know, you look at what Disney's cost is per night in fireworks. I mean, that right there tells you why there's no nighttime parade. Look, these these floats are expensive to maintain. I I get it, but but I agree with you. I think I think they really do need a nighttime parade in these parks. That's been a part of well, I say in these parks. That's been a part of Magic Kingdom since pretty the much beginning. day one. Yeah, but and you know, I know that they have the afternoon parade and they have a lot of those type of things. But how much does it cost to put you know graphics up on the castle? Like, yeah, the initial expense is probably a lot. But right now, like I don't think you're talking about spending an exorbitant amount of money to do a parade and the projection show. And then the fireworks, yeah, okay, that's expensive. But, I mean, talk to me. I mean, I've I've heard upwards of $30,000 a night on fireworks. Yeah, I mean, we that, that was actually like a trivia one time. We had it when our first like couple episodes. How much money does Disney spend on fireworks per night? Which, yeah, that's expensive. But and parades are a mainstay in the Magic Kingdom. Uh, I'm okay not having other parks, but I definitely think they should be in the Magic Kingdom. So I mean, we hit, me and Tom both hit that. Do you have anything else you want to add, Tom? No, no. We're, we can roll back to uh, Pete for his next one. All right. And Tom, I think you kind of had a little bit to say about this also. I have a really big problem with... And, and I'm going to be use a really specific example here. I think you're a little bit more general, Tom, but specifically, I have a problem with the direction that Tomorrowland is taking at Magic Kingdom. If if you look at Tomorrowland right now, there's no clear direction. There's no clear theme. I mean, let's let's just let's look at other lands at Magic Kingdom. Let's look at Fantasyland. It has a very clear theme. The rides fit that theme. Let's look at Adventureland. Same thing. Tomorrowland, you've you've got just a random mishmash of stuff. I mean, you've got Monsters, Inc. Laugh Floor. You've got Tomorrowland Speedway. You've got, well, you used to have Lilo and Stitch. You've got Space Mountain. You've got Tron coming. You've got Carousel of Progress. Like, what the heck? Dude, I actually, I swear that when Walt was thinking about Tomorrowland, he was also thinking about Epcot. He kind of got the two kind of combined. Because if you look at Tomorrowland, he talks about, like, the future. And then Epcot, like, the prototypical community of tomorrow. I just wonder if those got like mishmashed and like eventually he said like Epcot can be much more than Tomorrowland, but what's Tomorrowland going to be? Does that make sense to you guys at all? It it does, but here's my problem. And, and, and I think I'm going in the same direction as you are. Tomorrowland needs to decide if it's going to be, this is what the future is going to look like, or if it's going to be, 
This is what an idealized version of the future from the 60s, 70s is going to look like. And it, there's no clear direction on that. And, you know, another another point, another question I have, why does Tomorrowland, why does the future equal space? Well, yeah, and I, I 100% agree with you there. And I, I will also say, like, think about like Big Thunder Road or even, you know, Splash Mountain. The cue on both kind of, if you actually read the plaques on Big Thunder Road and you, you, know, you look at it, it kind of tells you what the ride's going to be about. Space Mountain? You're just in space. Like there's really nothing that's telling you what's going to happen. And I think that with Tomorrowland, especially, if you didn't know that was called Tomorrowland, what would you name that area? Baseland? I, I mean, I, I don't know. I really don't know because it, it, it doesn't work. It really doesn't work. Yeah. I mean, I hear what you're saying. The only way to keep Tomorrowland as futuristic is to overhaul the entire thing. I, I mean, rip everything out and start from scratch. I don't think so. You you could you could do that to keep it futuristic, but you could also go the complete opposite direction and say, okay, here's how Tomorrowland was in the '70s when the park opened. This is what we and want. That's to keep what it I was as. going to say. I mean, it, you can either keep it as what it was and it's Tomorrowland, or you can overhaul the entire thing and constantly have to do that every twenty to thirty years. And and my problem is they're trying to do both right now. Yeah, but are you going to complain when Tron lands in there? No, I, look, I don't have anything to say about the attractions that are located there. I just wish that they weren't located there. So so what, what you hinted at earlier, and it's not one of my top five things where I think Disney maybe took a misstep, but it was more about abandoning consistent theming in general. It, it can be Epcot, no rhyme or reason to how, how attractions get put in there. It can be Hollywood Studios not necessarily revolving around Hollywood. It can be Tomorrowland that's not necessarily futuristic anymore. I, and I, and we've talked about this. I think the lines have been blurred, and Guardians of the Galaxy now fits in Epcot when I would argue it should be in Hollywood Studios or, uh, you know, Galaxy's Edge. Does does that need to be? I mean, what? How does that fit? I mean, and there's so I think the lines have blurred, and that's where I would I would take it from a more general standpoint. Just consistent theming throughout the parks. You take it from the beginning. You have Carousel of Progress, Astro Over, and Space Mountain. All of those things are futuristic Tomorrowland. And so I think that's what Pete's talking about when he says, are you going to take it from the 1970s forward or are you going to try and continuously update this area to what tomorrow might be? Now, continuously updating that area is going to be very capital expensive. I mean, that's going to be a lot of money year over year, decade over decade, trying to keep up with what's the future. So I just think that it's a misnamed park or mis- misnamed you know, pavilion. And Disney just seems to own it at this point and say, hey, we're going to make this either an extension of Fantasyland because they have all the intellectual to, intellectual property necessary to extend out over in that area. Now, you're going to have to lose Space Mountain. You're going to have to lose Carousel Progress. But we'll see what they do. But Tomorrowland right now, is, it's a cluster. And I haven't felt that way until I talked to Pete a lot about this. And I, I definitely agree with him. All right. What you got next, Tom? So I'm going to go out of the box here, and you guys are going to disagree. I think Disney has failed to capitalize on their more popular Disney classics. And the classics I'm going to throw out there, and this is loosely using the term classic, Little Mermaid, Hercules, and Aladdin. I know there's Little Mermaid. There's two attractions really dedicated to it. There's nothing for Hercules. There's, if you consider that Aladdin, we can we can consider it Aladdin. Tell me, you don't think you don't think Flying Carpets is a, a Disney classic? I, I just think that they could have done more. Um, I mean, I, I look at what they've done with Flight of Passage, and you could easily do a magic carpet ride simulation to that. Hercules could be a fantastic roller coaster somewhere. And 
they've done a lot with Little Mermaid, and maybe I'm stretching on that one because th- there's two attractions dedicated to it, but there could be some sort of a water ride around Little Mermaid, and all of that, no matter while I say this, would fit in Hollywood Studios because we're talking about movies again, but I just think that, you know, you, you look at Stitch's Great Escape, massive fail. You look at Frozen, and Pete, while it's a great attraction you and I would agree with, we both noticed it was not nearly as popular as it once was, and it may fade. I mean, it may fade back out again. Snow White, one of the best Disney classics of all time, had to get redone in a Seven Dwarfs mine train. And as you mentioned earlier, Universal has cut into some of Disney's market share. You're telling me if you had a water ride with Little Mermaid, uh, an intense roller coaster with Hercules, and an intense ride simulation similar to Flight of Passage for Aladdin, that would be those all three would be game changers at Disney World. And so here's the deal, I, and correct me if I'm wrong, I don't know if there's going to be a Little Mermaid live action movie coming, but right now is there is. Yeah, so Pete's nodding his head, there is. And now is the time when I think Disney might be actually a step ahead of you, Tom, and us when we talk about these intellectual properties that are going to, you know, maybe they missed out on a ride. And I hope that Disney does actually come back to, you know, come back to center and create rides based on their, like, Disney classics. So... I don't know. I mean, I, I definitely feel like they missed out on the boat earlier, but we already talked about how lazy they were in the 1990s and like how they did not invest in their park. So, I mean, what, what, what do we really expect? You know, we're just like hoping for the best here, but I think in the future that all those things you talked about could come. I've got a couple of things to say about this, but I want to come back to it last and talk about it. Um, because, because okay. I have kind of a little bit different, have a different point to make about this. I so. knew this was coming. I knew that I could get through. I knew Matt wouldn't have anything too crazy to say. I knew Pete was going to come with the fire. So we'll revisit we'll, it. I'm we'll, ready. I'm we'll ready. come, we'll come back to it. So Matt, what, what you got next? So one of the things that I think Disney made a mistake in is alcohol in the magic kingdom. Um, this was the last park to have alcohol in it and it's at be our guest. It's not like you can walk around with the beer in magic kingdom right now. I don't know, man. I feel like Walt just envisioned the Magic Kingdom to be the park where families could come and just be a family. Everyone could be a child, you know, and I just I just don't know how alcohol is going to mix with that. And Be Our Guest was the first step into just having beer carts out in Magic Kingdom, I feel like. And that might be 10 years away, might be 15 years away, but it's coming because it's a moneymaker. Disney's shown that they're going to capitalize on the moneymaker. I don't see it happening. I really don't. I mean, it's, I hope not. It's I in, hope not. It's in every table service restaurant at Disney at Magic Kingdom right now. I don't see it going outside of those restaurants at Magic Kingdom. I'm gonna shockingly, I'm siding with Matt here. I think it'll definitely happen. I sure do. Why would it not? I think that stigma is there that you know they don't want it in the parks. It's in every other park. I don't think they want it. At They've Magic already Kingdom. opened it up, man. They've opened it up. Like the stigma is gone now. Yeah, the stigma is going to be no now now like the the chant is going to be. I don't get a Magic Kingdom because I can't have a beer. And they're going to say, well, you want a beer? We can put a beer in Magic Kingdom. We've already done it. Be our guest. Like, yeah, it's going to happen. I guarantee it's going to happen. Within 15 years, it's going to happen. And that's going to be sad. And then in 30 years, we're going to have bubble gum in, the, in, in Walt Disney World. 30 years from now, you can have bubble gum. It's going to be bad. We'll have to see what happens uh, as, as we get further along. So moving along, my next mistake that Disney has and this goes along with what I was just talking about with Tomorrowland, Tom. It goes along with what you were just talking about. I have a major problem with what they've done with Hollywood Studios. And yes, they closed the Great Movie Ride. That's not my major problem. My major problem is Hollywood Studios used to be a theme park that was dedicated to sort of this golden age of Hollywood, right? 
you had all these attractions that were Hollywood based. So you had the the studio backlot tour, you had the the stunt show, you had you know the Earful Tower, which is a representation of Disney Studios out in California. You had the American Idol experience. You had the Great Movie Ride. You had what was a Drew Carey Sounds Dangerous. You had all these attractions that were based on special effects, based on movies. Now what do we have? We have Rock and Roller Coaster and Tower of Terror, which I'm not sure how they were accepted, but okay, whatever. You have the Great Movie Ride closed. We're putting a Mickey ride in there. You've got Pixar Land or Toy Story Land. You've got Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. It doesn't make any sense. I'll be honest, the Earful Tower Tower, the Earful Tower was one of the ones I missed more than anything else. I remember like seeing that on Tower of Terror and dropping and thinking that was the coolest thing in the world. There's a lot of things that don't make sense in Hollywood Studios right now. And one of the one of my last well actually my last top five mistakes is gonna kinda key into this. But I mean, it just seems like a hodgepodge of stuff. It it is. And you know, Tom and I had the conversation when we were down in the parks. Hollywood Studios is not meant to handle the crowds that Galaxy's Edge is going to bring. The streets are not wide enough. There are not enough open spaces. It's just, it's too tight of a park to handle the crowds that are going to, it's too tight of a park for Toy Story Land right now. Imagine what it's going to be like when Galaxy's Edge opens. Yeah, it's it's brutal walking into Toy Story Land morning, afternoon, doesn't matter. It, the, the park is way too, uh, way too thin. Uh, it's tight. I mean, the, the walkways are not built for what Galaxy's Edge will bring. And I'm sure Disney has a plan. that If we're aware of this, they're aware of this, you know. So they'll fix it. But now, Pete, I think you're spot on. And I think it's something that we've we've hit now a couple times. That, that That's something where we think Disney's made a mistake, and we'll see if they can correct it like they're correcting other things. Now, my, my, my next one kind of stays in the same general area as Pete. Toy Story Land instead of Pixar Land. I every I, every time I've talked about Toy Story Land or walk, and now that I've walked in it, I sit there and wonder why did it only become Toy Story Land? You could seriously have very 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 similar decorations and it'd be Pixar Land, and Pixar Land would open up, you know, to name a few, Up, The Incredibles, Toy Story, uh, and any other Pixar movie ever released by Disney. But instead, they have closed themselves off to Toy Story Land only encompassing Toy Story. And while that is definitely one of the greatest franchises ever for Disney, I, I just, I'm dumbfounded that they didn't think it would be, because gr- Incredibles, is, I mean, it's blown up. I mean, Incredibles 2 has come out. I think there's a 3 coming out soon. They're just, I feel like they're not utilizing what they own well enough. It, it, it's incredible, but at the same time, like every time an, another Toy Story movie comes out, we hear this is going to be the last Toy Story movie, and then it's not. It's not the last Toy Story movie. But Toy Story is probably, I mean, guys, think about it, like from, I think the first one came out in 1994. Like from 1994 to now, what's the most iconic Disney franchise or Disney movie? It's Toy Story. Like, I don't think it's going to go out of, out of fashion. And can they I didn't say, really. Can we, can we say Star Wars? Make, they own them. Well, no, that no, because that's going to go into my last my last point here. Because I, I I view Toy Story as Disney Pixar, like that was a, a combined effort. Like, what did Pixar have before Toy Story? True. Yeah, I, I don't know. I can I can tell you why it it wasn't Pixar Land and it was Toy Story Land. I mean, money. That's plain and simple. How much did Toy Story Land cost? A couple hundred million. Mm-hmm. How much did How much does Galaxy's Edge cost him? A billion dollars. Something like that. How much How much more do you think? I mean, Toy Story. Toy Story Land is a 
It's a Band-Aid for Hollywood Studios until Galaxy's Edge gets open. That's that's all it was. That's all it was ever meant to be. But you, but you could have done it as Pixar Land and just put Toy Story in to start. You could have. And they, they could still do that. I mean, why could they still not do that? The only... I mean, they, they've changed names of you know, Hollywood Studios, MGM. They can change the name of Toy Story Land. You know, they could they could start to transform Pixar Place and start it that way. I mean, that, that's one route they could go. Yeah, they, they could. They absolutely could. But again, a billion dollars on Galaxy's Edge. I don't think they're going to be doing a whole lot after that, except for sucking in that money. Mm-hmm. So he, here's where we go with the last one. And I'm really excited to hear, hear your takes on this. Because, you know what, like, you talk about Pixar, Tom, and Toy Story Land, and I, I love it. Because I view Pixar and Disney in the same light because Pixar and Disney came together with Toy Story when I was like five years old. You know, I, I, I view Pixar and Toy Story together. But with Avatar, Marvel, and Star Wars entering the parks, I am super scared that we're going to lose just the Fab Five, all of Walt Disney's creations, all of Walt Disney's animations, his stories, his movies. To me, and it might be a nostalgia factor, but that's why I go to Disney. I'm not going to go to Disney for Avatar, Marvel, or Star Wars. I'm going to go to Disney for Disney intellectual properties that are the animated features. I mean, what do you guys think about that? So when I look at, at Disney, I mean, you, you have to look at everything, right? Because what's what you consider classic Disney, I mean, where do you draw the line? Is Aladdin classic Disney? Yep. I mean, that's... To, what about to somebody who's 60 years old right now? Is Aladdin classic Disney? So, you know, it's you, you have to be careful where you draw that line. Now, I mean, Star Wars has been in Hollywood Studios. Well, I, I can draw that line very Wars. carefully. No, I, I, I can draw that line very carefully. And honestly here, Star Wars, was that a Disney movie when it first came out? No, but it, it's been in Hollywood Studios since it opened. Okay. Marvel, was that a, did Disney start the Marvel comics? No, absolutely not. Avatar. I mean, it, there's a whole land devoted to it. So, I, but, but that's the thing. Like, here's the thing. I'm, I'm not saying that I don't love everything that these three different perspectives bring to Disney World, but I sit here and I just say, like, you know, like, where where's the Walt Disney classic Walt coming from? Like, I just don't want this to become a hodgepodge. Like, I'd be happy if it's an 80-20 split of Disney World and Walt's ideas and the things that have come from Disney Pixar, but I don't know. Like, I'm just... I'm super like wondering what's going to happen with Star Wars and Avatar and Marvel. Because what I don't this, want this to become is Harry Potter land. And that's what drives people to Universal right now. It's Harry Potter land, not Universal. But again, that's what people want right now. People want these immersive themed lands. And I mean, it's, it's hard to do that with, they've done it with Toy Story. They're doing it with Star Wars. They've done it with, with Pandora. I mean, could you do it with an Aladdin? Yeah, I guess so. But is that going to, I mean, is that going to draw people's interest? I know. I, I mean, trust me, I know. I, I just get worried about like the Disney classic in me and what's going to happen. So I, I think that's a really good jumping off point. And this is kind of where I want to wrap back around to what Tom was talking about earlier. I, I hate this idea that seems to be very popular with Disney right now that any new attractions, any new lands have to be based off of some kind of Disney intellectual property that exists. Look, I understand that you open up a ride that's based on Toy Story, that's based on Aladdin, you have that built-in audience already. But but some of the best Disney rides don't have any theming whatsoever. You know, the Jungle Cruise, Pirates of the Caribbean, Haunted Mansion. Like, these are all Disney classic rides. 
they don't have Disney intellectual properties in them. You know, I'm not counting the Haunted Mansion movie, obviously. I'm not counting the Pirates well, the of the Caribbean. Well, the same thing with Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah. But here's what I love. I love the fact that, like, Disney could have a jump-off point from their amazing attraction to say, hey, you know, we can monetize this and make a movie about it. And the Haunted Mansion didn't take off like Pirates, but you, you know what I'm saying. I agree. And they're, and they're doing that. You know, they're doing that with these movies that are coming out. They're coming out with a Jungle Cruise movie. So I think it should work the other way around. I think these attractions should spawn the movies, not the other way around. Is a ride like F- Frozen Ever After going to be relevant in 10 years? I mean, it could it could be, but, but we've... I mean, we've t- the question is, can Frozen like make a movie franchise? I think that's where you're, where you're kind of going with that. Not even a movie franchise. I mean, why is a ride like the Jungle Cruise so popular? There's no there's no franchise that goes along with it. I mean, well, no, they're about to make a, a if they haven't already, they're about to make a Jungle Cruise movie, right? They they are about to make a Jungle Cruise movie, but all I'm saying is that I I think that Disney needs to focus more on developing good attractions, not developing attractions that they can drop these intellectual properties in. And I'm sick of the retheming. There's no reason to take a good ride. And, and just to get a presence of, of whatever intellectual property is the hot button in the park. I mean, we can go through the list. Mr. Toe's Wild Ride for Winnie the Pooh. Maelstrom for Frozen. Great Movie Ride for the Mickey Ride. 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea for Little Mermaid. Putting Nemo in the Living Friends. Putting Stitch in the Extraterrestrial Alien Encounter. So putting Nemo in Living Seas, not Living Friends. I know you were thinking about Nemo in... <laughs> And then you can't you can't knock Mickey yet. I understand how much you like Great Movie Ride. You can't knock it yet. You cannot knock it yet. The rest of them, I mean, Stitch and Alien Encounter, Pooh for Mr. Toad. I know your mom would be mad because she's a Winnie the Pooh fan. And then Frozen for Maelstrom. We we, I agree. You either leave it as is or you knock it down and put something brand new in. But but again, you don't necessarily need a franchise to have a good attraction. Look at all the attractions that are getting built now. There's not a single original attraction out there. I mean, Space Mountain wasn't a friend. I mean, Space Mountain was its own entity. Uh, Expedition Everest was, was its own. Um, exactly. Jungle Cruise, Pirates, you know, Haunted Mansion, all these things were Pirates, original Disney Pirates creations. Is a, yeah, you can't count the movies for Pirates because obviously it was there prior. No, I think you're spot on. I think you're spot on. So, I mean, that's... And, and, that, and to your point, failing to capitalize on the most popular Disney classics, you know, I'd argue that that you don't need to. We don't need to. Yeah, no. You know, we just we just need to design good attractions and put them in the parks. And yeah, they're not going to have the built-in audiences that Frozen Ever After has. But you don't need it if it if you make good attractions. I mean, I think I think the bigger point you're trying to make here is that the Imagineers are really good at what they do, and just trying to latch onto this fly-by-night movie that was really successful in the box office, and you know, you can survive off two years. That's not what Disney was built on. No, Especially and, in Walt and Disney again, World. I have a problem with... Look, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge is a bad example because the Star Wars movies are kind of timeless. But look at Pandora. How relevant is Pandora going to be in 10 years? There's a second movie coming out. That's what I worry about. That's why I talk about... Ugh. I understand that. But, okay, the second movie bombs. How relevant is Pandora at that point? You know, what if what if the second Pandora is like the second Matrix? So, anyway... Uh, that's that's well, kind of where then I you am. have the Matrix three to bail it out. Yeah, that's kind of where I am on this, and that's that's where I wanted to wait to discuss what you had to say, Tom. Um, but bring us home. What's your last? Uh, what's your last one? My last one actually plays right into your hands here, Pete. It's canceling Beastly Kingdom. 
and repl- well postponing Beastly Kingdom and then you know obviously canceling it at some point to replace it with Pandora. If the drawings that were shared, the ideas that were discovered about Beastly Kingdom were even 50 to 70% true, it would have been the highlight of Animal Kingdom for years to come because it was not something that had to be supported from a movie or something that happened outside of the parks. It would have been incredible. And in my opinion, you still could have put Pandora somewhere. You could have put Pandora in Hollywood Studios if we want to you know, fight the theme there. Uh, you look at Galaxy's Edge and Toy Story Land going there. If Avatar 2 is extremely successful, you have the land, Disney. Plot Pandora and Hollywood Studios. But Beastly Kingdom would have been an absolute game changer. We talked earlier about Universal stealing some share uh, of Disney's clientele. If you would have opened Beastly Kingdom when it was supposed to be open, you probably would not have had that issue because you would have had intense attractions at Animal Kingdom. And then your Expedition Everest would have come. Uh, and so forth and so on. I mean, you, your Pandora would have come, your Galaxy's Edge. I mean, everything would have been there. And so that's, and I don't know, maybe it's because I'm, I'm into the whole like dragon thing. I, th- I think the whole idea was incredible. Disney could have done a lot with it, especially now seeing the night the dragon flew over Magic Kingdom. And if, if you listeners out there are aware of this, when the dragon flew over from Cinderella's Castle over Fantasyland, I recently found the video and sent it to Pete, and I said, hey, this is the craziest thing I've ever seen. And so that's that's my last one, and I think that's actually my most emphatic one, that Beastly Kingdom being replaced by Pandora years later uh, was a big mistake. And, and if Joe Rody, if you're a listener, I was fighting a good fight for you for Beastly Kingdom. Uh, I, I know you had great ideas. Yep, and, and again, dovetails very nicely with uh, with what I just said. You don't You don't need a franchise to to get an attraction in the park all right anything else i'm gonna take your silence as a no so let's go ahead and uh and go on to the trivia question the secret for the uh for the week what do we got yeah before we hit the secret i want to emphasize again we love disney this was just something that we were playing devil's advocate and, and looking for some things that we think disney could have done differently uh, but as we've said numerous times throughout the podcast, ninety nine point nine percent of Disney we love. Wow, you sound like fanboy Matt now. I'm fanboy Tom. Uh, look, well, well, why would you not want to sound like fanboy Matt? We do a Disney podcast. Yeah, but they're not infallible. They make poor decisions, just like everybody else. Oh, uh, no doubt. I mean, every business makes bad decisions for sure. But moving on to the secret of the night and the trivia question, uh, this actually came from one of our friends on the Mendo Disney trip. He sent us some trivia questions from Magical Express, and so a trivia question is going to be from him. The secret also indirectly came from him, but uh, it is, did you, it's a did you know secret. There are four types of pins that Disney will give out for free each and every day. Free is good. The pins are a happy birthday pin and happily ever after pin, which would be like celebrating love or anniversary. First visit pin and a personalized I'm celebrating, then you get to fill in the blank type pin. Uh, so Disney encourages you to ask for a pin if any of the above applies to you, which it could apply to anybody. You could say I'm celebrating being at Disney again, and you could get a pin. So uh, definitely do not hesitate to ask. Uh, You can pick them up at your resort or in the parks. And if you see someone else wearing a pin, Disney encourages you to reach out and congratulate them or talk about what they're celebrating. So if you're looking for something free at Disney World, you can get a free Disney pin, actually, each and every day. So Disney trivia question last week, we had one person answer correctly. I'm not going to say her name, but she knows who she was because I responded. I was very impressed. The question was, Walt Disney World attra- what Walt Disney World attraction was designed and inspired by an Erector set? The attraction was Soarin', 
and I didn't I, I I do a Disney podcast and I did not get this one correct. No, 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 no. Come come to me really quick. When I, when you asked that question last week and I wasn't on the podcast, I was racking my brain trying to figure it out. I was like, oh, Dumbo. That's the answer. Dumbo. But not the answer. It's a tough question. Congratulations to our one person who got this one correct. Usually we have quite a few people who get them correct, but this week we had one and I actually called uh, both guys and said, hey, guess who got this right? Uh, it's somebody that is a is a loyal listener and a friend of ours, so congratulations to you. Moving to the trivia question of this week, what technological innovation was first introduced at the Seven Dwarfs Mine Train attraction in Magic Kingdom? There's one thing, if you've ridden the attraction or read about Disney, that you would be aware that has never been done, and it's one of my favorite parts of the attraction, and my hint to you is it has nothing to do with what you see on the attraction, if that helps you. You can email us at mendowdw at gmail.com, or tweet us at men do WDW podcast on Twitter uh, with your answers. And what I mean when I say C, it's not something like an animatronic or something on the track. Uh, the question again is what technological innovation was first introduced at Seven Dwarfs Mine Train in the Magic Kingdom? Good luck and look forward to the responses. That's all we've got time for this week. Please tune in next week for some more Disney magic. Look for us on the Twitter at WDW Podcast. If you have any suggestions, questions, or comments, please tweet us or email us at WDW at gmail.com. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and leave us a review. It really does help us out. Thank you so much for listening and giving us the most valuable thing you have, your time. We'll see you next week.